What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point edition of the Smarkout Moments Mac Talk Podcast. I am your host, as always, Tony Mango, and this is the WWE Payback 2017 post-show, where I'm going to be recapping my thoughts of what just transpired on the show, giving you my opinions of the positives, the negatives, and breaking down everything else that I want to talk about tonight. So, let's dig in with the pre-show, and the kickoff, honestly... It wasn't really good. I missed the first five minutes of it, I have to admit. But it seems like I didn't miss a damn thing, because the majority of the pre-show was essentially just the panel kind of stuff for the beginning section. And that's expected. I mean, it is the pre-show. That's what it's there for. It's just to kind of recap everybody what's going to be happening on the event, give you a little bit of a rehash of what the feuds are, etc., But even the rest of the stuff that was on the pre-show just wasn't all that great. We had a backstage segment with, uh, who was it, the Hardy Boys and Golden Truth, which was just sort of awkward. We had Charlie Caruso with Cesaro and Sheamus in the social media lounge, and that wasn't anything entertaining, really. Uh, There was, like, one spot where it was kind of funny that they didn't know how to do, like, the high fives correctly and stuff, but it just wasn't really all that special. And our pre-show match was... Enzo Amore and Big Cass against Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, which was completely forgettable. It was an average Monday Night Raw match, and it wasn't bad, but at the same time, if you missed it, you didn't miss a damn thing. So it really has no impact on what's going forward. There's not going to be any kind of like, well, they won at payback, so now we need some kind of other scenario where Gallows and Anderson win to kind of offset it. Nobody cares. This is the type of match that was there just basically to get somebody on the card to wrestle, and these guys needed to uh, make some kind of an appearance because otherwise, who's going to value them in the tag team uh, division? So it got, I guess, part of the crowd interested when Enzo and Cass started doing down the whole uh, rundown of Chinese food. Kind of made me want Chinese food, but not really an important match. And the Miss TV segment with Finn Balor... I still just don't get why we didn't get an Intercontinental Championship match instead. It seemed like they were building up the Miz against Dean Ambrose, and you know what? I would have much rather seen that on the card than this Miz TV thing, because Miz TV is not all that fun a lot of the times, just like any of these other ones. Highlight Reel, the, uh... Well, God, what was Christian's? I was gonna say Captain's Corner, that's not it. (laughs) Christian's was, um... The Peep Show, that's what it was. We had The Cutting Edge, and we've got Santino's Casa, or his other thing, and, you know, they do serve a purpose. They are really a good tool to use when you try to promote a feud, and you're not exactly sure how to to waste time, but this isn't a feud that's really going on. Finn Balor seems to be getting set up for Bray Wyatt, and Miz is doing stuff with Dean Ambrose, so this was like, maybe they didn't want Dean Ambrose on the card, and this was a consolation prize for these two guys because they didn't have anything else i don't know this is a really awkward segment that i just didn't enjoy it was mostly the way that you would expect it to be where the miz is trying to do his best to keep it energetic and then finn balor is sort of like you know no it's the balor club you can't be a part of it i don't like you and it's like okay well should we fight now so that's kind of dumb i really think the pre-show overall was just a skip And if you noticed anything else that was interesting that I didn't pick up on, because really there's no little nuggets of like a funny thing that Lawler said or, you know, anything going on like that, then let me know. 
And uh, make sure, of course, you, as always, that you leave us your opinions in the comments below and give it a little timestamp if you're on YouTube so that way we know what you're referencing. But let's get into the main show. It started off with the United States Championship match. Kevin Owens, oddly enough, losing the title to Chris Jericho. I thought it was a guarantee that Chris Jericho was going to be losing this match and he was going to be stepping away for a little bit. But Kevin Owens dropping the belt is one of the biggest shocks of the entire night to me. He's doing this gimmick with the New Face America. And if you're going to do the New Face of America, you should basically be the United States champion. So they invested enough in this to create a t-shirt out of it, which makes me think not only is that a reason why Kevin Owens is going to win the title back over the next couple of weeks, but also because they've been building Kevin Owens versus AJ Styles. And Chris Jericho, if he does stick around, he could stick around up until Backlash. And maybe he sticks around up until Backlash and he has his match with, Jay, with uh, AJ Styles. It's babyface versus babyface. Styles wins the title. Something like that happens. I don't know, but I highly doubt that that's the case. And again, I was wrong about the title switching hands to begin with here. But I'm kind of working under the assumption that Kevin Owens is going to challenge for his uh, title rematch on maybe not this week's SmackDown, but maybe next week's. And then Jericho will drop it. Maybe they'll have another rematch. I don't know. And Kevin Owens versus AJ Styles still goes back on at Backlash. But this is just a means to kind of keep the storyline going for the next couple of weeks. Because we do have a couple of weeks before we get to Backlash. So they need to take that into account. You can't just have re, uh, tag team matches with AJ Styles and Sami Zayn against Baron Corbin and Kevin Owens or something like that for four weeks in a row. But I liked the match enough. It still wasn't as good as I was hoping that these two would have been able to pull off. I'll admit that. Although the shock of the championship win sort of puts it over the edge of, you know what, that's a highlight. On the flip side of things, though, we had the Cruiserweight Championship match, and that was Neville against Austin Aries, and that one was more disappointing. The match itself, pretty decent again. These two have good chemistry together. They're fun. The Cruiserweight division is fun in general. But did you need to have it end with Austin Aries winning via disqualification? To me, that that drags it out in a way that I'm not upset with them dragging it out because I do enjoy watching these two guys face each other. But at the same time, I kind of wanted it to be, if we were going to drag this out another month, it would have been that Austin Aries wins the championship, Neville uses his rematch, and that's what ends up doing it. Not just Neville retains again and Austin Aries doesn't get the title. But maybe they're setting up somebody else other than Austin Aries to be the champion. And maybe they just don't want to put the title on Austin Aries at all. So if that's the case, this is a way to continue their feud, but also not have to put the title on Austin Aries in the meantime. And maybe if you end it with a whimper like this, nobody's really going to be all that upset that Austin Aries didn't win the belt because he should have won and that kind of a thing. I don't really know who else would be in line for it, except for maybe Jack Gallagher. And they... Sort of did a little bit of Neville Jack Gallagher stuff already, but maybe people would be interested in it. I don't know. I still would kind of assume that Austin Aries will be the next champion. Or maybe they're holding somebody else in the in the back. Maybe this is where Callisto is going to come in or something. I don't know. Pretty interesting to see where they go from here. At the same time, though, for the match itself on the pay-per-view, I have to admit, the disqualification ending did kind of offset it a little bit. Then we got something that I thought was... Almost a guarantee heading into this a little bit. The more and more I thought about it, I was just like, you know what? 
we're going to get that Cesaro and Sheamus heel turn. And we did. Hardy boys retained via pinfall. Jeff Hardy loses a tooth. It looked like uh, Matt Hardy might have been like having some kind of an issue going on with his face at one point. And uh, the Cesaro and Sheamus thing starts off with them. Well, it doesn't start off because this is the end of the match. But they lose the match and then they do that typical handshake and hug and whatever. And they walk away. And at that point, I'm thinking to myself, oh, damn. I guess I was wrong. We're not going to get that heel turn. Then they turn around. They push him off. They attack him. And I'm like, all right. Never mind. I'm right. And this could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. It could be a moderately okay thing. I mean, it all depends on the future of what they want to do with the Royal Tag Team Division. Because we did see earlier in the night with the Golden Truth, they are still a tag team. And they are baby faces. So right now, now that Cesaro and Sheamus have just turned heel, Hardy Boys are the de facto top babyface tag team. Enzo and Cass are number two. Then, actually, it depends on Heath Slater and Rhino or the Golden Truth as being the next in line. But I'm assuming that number three would be Slater and Rhino. Golden Truth being bottom of the barrel, baby faces. Then you got on the heel side of things, Cesaro and Sheamus now could potentially be the number one. Gallows and Anderson, number two. Revival, number three, even though they're not really sticking around. And then I think that's actually it. Let me bring up the uh, the roster page right now just while I'm thinking about that because I don't remember another heel tag team being on the Raw roster at the moment. And now that I'm looking at it, it does not look like that is the case. They could always add somebody, you know, they could tag up, say, uh, they could tag up The Miz with somebody, but I highly doubt it. Or they could tag up, uh, like, Kurt Hawkins and Curtis Axel and make them the jobber tag team because we don't have a jobber heel tag team right now. And Bo Dallas is usually involved in the mix with a couple of those people like Curtis Axel. So maybe Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas stick together or maybe Kurt Hawkins and Darren Young or, you know, whatever. There's a little bit of flexibility there, but it did seem like it was a necessity that Cesaro and Sheamus either split or that they turned heel. And now that they have turned heel, I think it's going to work out well in the long run. This is going to be good for not only Cesaro, but also Sheamus because Sheamus is somebody who is much, much better as a heel. And Cesaro hasn't been a heel in a while. So if he's not getting over enough as a babyface and they want to keep him in the tag team division, they want to keep these two together or whatever, there wasn't much else to do with Cesaro and Sheamus other than turn him heel. So I'm down with it. And it kind of keeps the Hardy Boys feud a little bit more interesting going forward because maybe they can have at least one more match and now it's a different dynamic. And I'm happy that Hardy Boys retained. I think that was a smart choice there too. So nothing really to complain about with that. Then we get... Bailey versus Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship. And this one was a shock to me as well. Alexa Bliss, pin, uh, pinfall over Bailey. She wins the championship. She is now a three time WWE Women's Champion. And she was, you know, the main woman on SmackDown for months on end. And then she moves over to Raw, and she's immediately given that spot. And there's going to be some people, I'm sure, that are going to be like, oh my god, we just went through a whole big Alexa Bliss thing. Why are we going to see that on Raw? Because she's good enough for that. That's why. Charlotte's going to be the main thing on SmackDown. We know that. She already has been, and she isn't even the champion. She's superseding Naomi, oddly enough. Bailey has had her time in the spotlight for a little bit, and she needs another good foil. So if she would have beaten Alexa Bliss, what does Bailey do? Bailey didn't get that WrestleMania win. She got 
the win on what was it Monday Night Raw like four weeks before that or something, and then there wasn't like another hurdle really. Now that she's not the champion anymore, if she's chasing for the title, that's gonna boost her stock up a little bit more. And Alexa Bliss as champion, she's already proven herself two times now that she can handle it. She's got Mickey James that she can feud with. She's got Sasha Banks that she can feud with. Eventually, when Emma and Dana Brooke are done, maybe Alexa Bliss and Dana Brooke get into something. Maybe you do a heel versus heel thing, Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax. You know, there's a little bit of flexibility to that. But Bailey and Alexa, I think, could be something that could lead us for the next couple of months. And Bailey gets her rematch at Extreme Rules. Probably not in some kind of a gimmick, but maybe, I don't know. And Alexa Bliss can continue to have some great matches going forward, whether or not it's with Bailey, because she could do a great thing with Miggy and she could do a great thing with Sasha Banks. And the only question is, who wins the title from Alexa Bliss? Is it Bailey again? Is it Mickey because she hasn't had a title run now since she's been back in the company? Or does Sasha win it for the was it fourth time for her, I think it would be? So I'm interested. That's the thing. I want to be interested in the future, and this did it. And they had a good match. I like Bailey. I like Alexa Bliss a little bit more, so I can't be upset with the pinfall. Can't it be upset with the surprise of the title change happening to begin with? Big thumbs up as far as I'm concerned. Then we go to a big thumbs down. <laughs> this House of Horrors match. Yeah. Well, it was horrible, all right. <laughs> this, look, uh, I commend WWE for trying. When they do something different, it's worth a shot. You never know what's going to be great and what's going to be horrible. And it's a company that you can try some stuff, and if it doesn't work out, you know what? It was one show, you move on, you never do it again, you keep the feud going if you can, you end the feud if you can't, you roll with the punches, whatever. But who decided these specifications behind this thing? We get a pre-recorded video segment that airs, and the crowd, of course, does not like this whatsoever. The crowd's booing the hell out of it as soon as we cut back to it. But instead of having it take place in some kind of an environment that seems like it's legitimately scary, at least in my point of view, we get, like, the equivalent of a crack addict's abandoned house. This seemed like the poorest home in Atlanta that they were going to do, like, a SWAT raid for meth addicts more so than a house of horrors cult compound kind of a thing and it seemed to imply that we would get weapons and it would be this bloody thing we got like tossing each other into cabinets and a refrigerator falls down and then even stupider his Bray Wyatt gets into a limo and drives back to the arena so they cut away, they do another match, Seth Rollins versus Samoa Joe, which, honestly, I don't have any anything really to talk about with that match. It was fine, and it was just sort of not as good as I was hoping that it would be, and I wanted Seth Rollins to lose the match, so that kind of sucks or whatever, but that didn't come anywhere close to how good as I was hoping that it would be. And then we pick up the House of Horrors match afterward, and... Randy Orton is apparently also there, despite how Bray Wyatt was the only one that was in the limo. 
which is like some of the Undertaker kind of shit. And Bray Wyatt, I guess, is going to do that not only when he's like doing his own shtick, but he passed it on to Randy Orton and he's going to be doing that now. But then we have like this weird sort of no holds brawl. Uh, no, ho- ah, my God, I'm botching all over the place here. No holds barred brawl. That's what I meant to say. This no holds barred brawl with around the ring with like, it was almost like a second match kind of. And then the Singh brothers come in and Jinder Mahal, they screw Randy Orton. He loses. And that's the reason why they changed it where the title wasn't on the line. When you change it where the title's not on the line, it kind of seems like it's being forecast that Bray Wyatt's going to win because he would have lost by default if the title was on the line. So that kind of sucked. But even that is something that I would overlook if this was just a fun segment. And I honestly just did not find this fun. I didn't think that it was innovative. I didn't think that it was special. I didn't think that it was cool. This was sort of the the type of thing where if you would have done the uh, the broiler room brawl, where it was clearly set up ahead of time and, and even more fake. Because the boiler room brawl was a different environment, but it seemed like they were fighting in the arena. We know that they weren't fighting in the arena for this. It wasn't presented as that they were. But you really mean to think that we are going to buy that they just fight in this, I don't know, like the household from What's Eating Gilbert Grape? And then they're going to go over to from a limo and drive back to the fucking arena and stuff. Were they like 20 minutes away from there? Because where were they today? The, um, the Allstate Arena, I think. Sap Center in San Jose. So that's a shit house in that area. I don't know my San Jose uh, locations and stuff. to know if that's kind of like the average house in that area. But if it is, move the fuck out of San Jose. Holy shit, Bailey. Why did you come from that area? Doesn't make any sense. But I thought that this was dumb, and this is going to go on my list as a potential worst in some kind of category. I haven't figured it out yet, because I just thought that this was ridiculous. Maybe you liked it, maybe you didn't, I don't know. The only thing I liked about it was the fact that General Hall got a chance to look a little bit more credible, because for him to come out and cost Randy Orton the match, now it kind of seems like they got a little bit more beef between the two of them. So that was good, but the whole concept, don't do it again. Don't do the final deletion stuff. And if that's what the final deletion was, maybe it works for an indie company. doesn't seem like it works for WWE. But then our final match of the night was Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns. And it was sort of lingering a little bit here, but they did the right decision here. They have Braun Strowman going over at the end. He beats Roman Reigns, and then he beats him more. And then he beats him a little bit more. By the end of it, Roman Reigns is coughing up blood, the fans are chanting, you deserve this, which is kind of shitty, but at the same time, it's funny, I have to admit. It's shitty when you remember that he just lost his brother, and that's horrible, but the fans aren't booing Roman Reigns the man, they're booing Roman Reigns the character, and the treatment of the character in comparison to other people. Now, if that would have been his real name, and they're like, you know, fuck that guy or something, then you're just a real piece of shit person. But the Braun Strowman stuff continues a little bit, and that's fun. I have been loving the whole, I'm not finished with you yet stuff. And he even did that again a little bit later on at the uh, Raw talk, essentially. So that seems to be leading, for sure, with an ambulance match at Extreme Rules. 
and that'll be the one where Roman Reigns wins and he gets his comeuppance and all that other kind of stuff. So, you know what? I'm kind of in for that. Like, I can see that being a match where it makes sense for Roman Reigns to win. And if I'm looking at the calendar right now, because they just announced the other day that we were getting great balls of fire, which to me is just so ridiculous. Like, you're really going to call a pay-per-view great balls of fire? You have breaking point yet that you didn't use. You have judgment day. You have, I don't really like judgment day. Now that I'm saying that. Uh, You have over the limit, which is a decent enough title. But Extreme Rules is the next one. That's June 4th. And then we have Money in the, uh, well, you know, Technically, the next one is NXT TakeOver Chicago. Then we get Backlash for SmackDown. The next Raw one being Extreme Rules. The next SmackDown one being Money in the Bank. And then Great Balls of Fire. Now, Great Balls of Fire has already been announced as the next time that Brock Lesnar is going to be defending the championship. So, Extreme Rules should be the end of the Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns feud. And then one of those two moves on to fight Brock Lesnar at Great Balls of Fire. After that, is more than likely SummerSlam. We haven't had 100% confirmation for this yet. We know Battleground is coming on July 23rd, and then August 6th, uh, August 19th is NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, and then SummerSlam. There was a rumored event for August 6th, but that was something that was very skeptical, and at this point, I highly doubt that's going to happen. It was... An unannounced venue, an unannounced location, an unannounced... Oh, actually, the location was supposed to be Montreal. An unannounced brand designation, an unannounced announced event name. That's not going to happen. So, you got to imagine here, Brock Lesnar will probably fight at SummerSlam. And that'll be the follow-up to his Great Balls of Fire thing. I'm hoping what we get is Braun Strowman realistically, let's put it this way, not necessarily exactly how I would book it, but I think it would make sense. Braun Strowman loses the ambulance match at Extreme Rules. Roman Reigns gets a title shot at Great Balls of Fire. Maybe he loses it. Maybe he doesn't. And then there's either a rematch at SummerSlam or there's a triple threat at SummerSlam. I would more so go with the idea of the Braun Strowman loss at Extreme Rules and then doing the whole setup with the triple threat and whatever and SummerSlam is your means where Roman Reigns or Braun Strowman wins the championship for Brock Lesnar because I really don't want to see Brock Lesnar keep that title any longer. Great Balls of Fire could be interesting to see a title change just because it's a new pay-per-view. But if you're going between the two of them, I think it makes a little bit more sense to have it happen at SummerSlam. And if he uh, drops the title at Great Balls of Fire, great. All that much better. I'm totally down for that, too. All sort of depends on their plans, but that's where I'm thinking that we'll probably go from here on. And now it's just kind of a waiting game. But I do like the idea that Braun Strowman won this match. I do think that it was great that they ended the pay-per-view with this beatdown because it makes him look a little bit stronger. And he's been the most entertaining thing on the past couple of weeks. So you keep doing something that I like, I'm going to keep liking it. It's pretty simple, right? But that's our breakdown of the Payback 2017 pay-per-view event. I got to say my favorite thing of the night was probably the fact that Braun Strowman won. Although those title changes 
may take the uh, the cake on that one. My least favorite part of the night is that House of Horrors match, because some of the other things weren't all that impressive, like the Seth Rollins-Samoa Joe thing or the kickoff, but that House of Horrors match had potential to be interesting, and they just botched it. So I'm really disappointed in that. But what do you have to say about this? Leave your comments below. Tell me what you thought of the positives and negatives, anything in between there. And make sure that you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Hit that thumbs up button as well. Give us a little bit of a boost on the SEO. If you're on iTunes or Stitcher, leave a review on there. And you can leave your comments on the website's page if you're looking to kind of voice your opinion on something like that. And I think that's about it. So thanks for listening, everybody. Stay tuned for the next week of the Smart Out Moment Smack Talk podcast. I don't know what our main event is going to be, but I know for sure at least one of the things we're going to be taking care of is breaking down the results of round one of the Sexiest Superstars Tournament and talking about the matches of round two. So that might be Wednesday, it might be Tuesday, it might be Friday, I don't really know. kind of all depends. I got a lot of stuff that's going to be getting in the way this week because I had a basement flood from a hot water heater broke. And, um, you know, we got like carpet people coming out and drywall people that need to fix everything and stuff. So this whole week is going to basically be me dealing with people coming over and making noise and crap. And that's going to be hard to kind of do podcasts in that environment. So keep that in mind if it ends up being like a weird schedule. But if you want to be sure that you get information on whenever we do upload what we do, then hit that little bell icon next to the subscription box. And that will give you some kind of an email notification, I think. Or you can subscribe to us on Facebook or on Twitter, or you can subscribe to the RSS feed of the website, because anytime that I post anything, it'll pop up on all four avenues, just kind of an automatic uh, sort of posting. And I'll see you when I see you guys. So uh, this is it for this episode. This has been another Smart Out moment, and I'm being counted out. Ah!